now we're looking at the parables, and we're looking at the parables in order. And your notes should be on uh, U version. I hope they are. I put them on there this morning, so let's hope that's the case. Um, we're going to look at the parable of the two sons. Let me just read it to you. It's in Matthew 21, 28 through 32. And it says this, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went out, he went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two sons did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, I just pray over the, our time together. God, I just pray that as you pierce our heart with truth, that we will respond accordingly. God, help us to be people who repent and believe. And we pray these things in Christ's name, amen. So this is a tough parable, not because this is a hard parable to decipher, Many biblical scholars believe that this is probably the easiest parable to understand, but this is a tough parable because it's so convicting. I'm going to do a little Tarantino on this parable because we got to like set up the story a little bit, so we're going to go back, but I would encourage you, I'm going to give you just kind of the cliff notes of Matthew 21, but I would encourage you to read Matthew 21 sometimes this week. So at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem, and he enters in on the back of a colt, and there's a crowd of people, and they're laying down their coats and their palm branches, and they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They begin worshiping Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem. Then Jesus goes to the temple and he sees people there selling stuff and money changers in the temple. He starts flipping tables and he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Then as Jesus is in the temple, he begins healing people and children come around him and start praising him and calling him the son of David. And the priests ask him this question, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus replies, yes. Have you never heard from the lips of children and infants, you Lord have called forth your praise? And then the priests just get ticked because the whole day so far, crowds of people have started to recognize Jesus for who he is, the Messiah. And the priests do not like this. So Jesus leaves the city, and he goes to Bethany for the night. Then the next morning, it says, early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. 
Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except for leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you also can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. Matthew 21, 18 through 22. A lot of people focus on that story and they hone in on um, the last part where it says, if you ask, whatever you ask will be done. But I want to, I just want you to remember that fig tree and that fig tree full of leaves and no fruit. So Jesus has done all these things to show that he's the Messiah. The people around him, the disciples, the crowds of people, they believe and they recognize that he's the Messiah. But the priests, they're just seeing red. They're super mad right now at Jesus. So Jesus enters into the city with great fanfare. The people worship him as a king. He calls the temple his house, and the priests are offended that he's referring to himself as God and that this, the temple, is his house. Children begin singing praises to him, and Jesus claims to be worthy of those praises in front of the priests. So Jesus is just stirring the pot. And now we've kind of set the stage to this parable. Just before Jesus shares this parable, the priests come around him, and the chief priests, the elders, they confront Jesus, and they ask him, who gave him the right to say these things, to do these things? And Jesus kind of answers them in a riddle. He says that he will answer their question if he answers this one question. He says, John's baptism... Where did it come from? Is it from heaven or of human origin? Now the priests, they begin talking it over, and they realize that they're kind of in between a rock and a hard space. Because if they answer that it's from heaven, then Jesus will ask them why they didn't believe in John. But if they say it's human, then the crowds may revolt because they view John as a prophet. So they say that they don't know, and Jesus says, well, I'm not going to answer your question then either. But then he immediately jumps in this parable. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first, and he said, go and work in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of these two did what the father wanted? The first, the priest answered. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, the the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So, it's pretty easy to understand. The priests are in this position where they're holier than thou. And the crowds of people who recognize that they need a savior recognize Jesus as a savior. 
So you remember that fig tree, that one that Jesus cursed, that tree looked healthy, full of leaves, until Jesus walked closer and looked closer and realized that that tree is not producing any fruit. And what good is a fruit tree if it looks good but doesn't produce any fruit? This parable correlates directly with that fig tree. The first son is like the crowd in Jerusalem. They did not initially recognize Jesus for who he is, but later they realized their error and they repented and worshiped Jesus. The crowd listened to what John the Baptist said and they believed him. The second son is like the priests and the teachers. They say that they're gonna go do the work, but they're liars. They look good, they act good, they say all the right things, but upon closer inspection, they don't back up all that good talk with anything. They ignored John the Baptist. The, the priests and the teachers are like the fig tree, full of tree, full leaves and no, no fruit. Matthew con- continues this narrative, and I love how Scripture unfolds in a narrative form, especially in Matthew. And in Matthew 23, it says this. Now Jesus turned to address his disciples along with the crowd that had gathered with them. And he says these words. The religion scholars and the Pharisees are competent teachers of God's law. You wouldn't go wrong following their teachings on Moses, but be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts and they, li- they don't live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polish veneer. One of my favorite car manufacturers is called Bugatti. And if you're a car nerd, kind of like I am, then you may have heard of Bugatti. But they make um, really cool cars. And I have an affinity for French culture. And French people are not known for making very cool cars. If you've ever seen a Renault or a Peugeot, they're not that cool. But Bugatti is a French company and they know how to make really cool cars. Um, They're known for making hypercars, these super fast, super cool looking cars. As a matter of of fact, this year, they started taking orders on a new car called Le Voiture Noir. Sounds very, very cool. <laughs> I think we have a picture of it. This is La Voiture Noire. It sounds cooler than it really is. La Voiture Noire means the black car. <laughs> French people are very literal. <laughs> For a mere $19 million, you too can be the owner of La Voiture Noire. If that's a little too rich for your blood, which it's too rich for my blood, you may want to look at buying this car. This is a Bugatti Veyron. And for a mere $125,000, you can buy this car. A man in Florida is selling this on Craigslist. (laughs) It looks pretty nice. It looks pretty fast until you get in and you start the engine 
and you quickly realize that this is a replica built on a 2002 Mercury Cougar. <laughs> this looks like a Bugatti. It is not a Bugatti. A real Bugatti Veyron like this sells for about $2.5 million. This one's $125,000. But if you're just concerned about looking cool, this is a good car that might get the job done for you. Instead of making 1,200 horsepower, this bad boy makes 165 horsepower. <laughs> Saying something is something is not the same as something being something. No amount of saying that this car is a Bugatti is gonna make this car a Bugatti. No amount of saying that you're a Christian is gonna make you a Christian. Just saying that you're a follower of Jesus is not the same as being a follower of Jesus. This parable is very convicting to the priests and it may be very convicting to you and I. There's more to being a Christian than just saying that you're a Christian. God's not looking for people to say they're going to go work in the vineyard. He's looking for people to show up in the vineyard. One of the most convicting things that I've ever been told was when I was about 15, a friend of mine told me, if you would have never told me that you were a Christian, I would have never known. And that's the worst thing that a Christian can hear. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? In the same way, faith by itself, not accompanied by action, is dead. We can't have it both ways. We can't say something with our mouth and not back it up with the actions of our hands. Are you going to show up at the vineyard or do you just say you're going to the vineyard with no intention of actually going? This parable is pretty easy to understand. Jesus lays it out pretty clearly. There's two sons. There's the first son that realizes the mistake and shows up at the vineyard and there's the second son that talks a good talk but never actually shows up. Man, this is a tough one for me personally. It may be a tough one for you as well. We can't be a church that just walks around saying that we're Christians, that we believe in God, that we follow Jesus if we're not gonna do anything about it. It's, it's just not gonna work. I want you to close your eyes with me. Just take a deep breath. Let it out. And you have to use your imagination. But I want you to, in your mind's eye, imagine a tree on a hill. Can you see that tree? A tree that's full of leaves. This is your fig tree. Now I want you to walk up to your tree. I want you to start pulling back the leaves. What do you see? Do you see figs? Take a moment to compare your life with the two sons. 
Are you like the first son who ends up obeying the father? Are you like the second son who says he obeys, but he never shows up? Finally, I want you to ask yourself this question. Would the people I work with or the people I go to school with know that I'm a Christian without me telling them?